Hello and welcome. My name is Jamie Adams. And I'm Oliver Kinner. And this is Brainwaves episode 118, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of 3rd of April 2023. Gizmodo shines a light on Wormwood. Nebula Games Award. New Gamma board members. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Linda Cadega, who we interviewed about Dungeons & Dragons Open Gaming License 1.1 in episode 114, has published an article about Wormwood Gaming on the design, technology, science and science fiction website Gizmodo. Linda's article covers Wormwood's response to allegations of sexual assault at the company, which we covered in episode 116, as well as accusations of unprofessionalism, disrespect and deep-seated misogyny. While Wormwood still maintain that they take any allegation of inappropriate conduct, including, but not limited to, sexual assault, sexual misconduct and safety issues very seriously and consider the safety and well-being of their employees a top priority. The investigation into the company, which Linda describes in their article, meanwhile spoke to multiple people who allege they have been assaulted or harassed by former and current employees of Wormode Gaming. Many of these allegations are aimed at the company's owners, Doug Costello and Bobby Downey, who appear to have allowed Wormwood to have a hostile work environment, including discrimination against employees based on their gender, race and sexual orientation, as well as retaliation against employees who spoke out against their mistreatment, while also failing to provide a safe working environment. Now we encourage you to read the full article, a link to which you can find in the show notes, as it provides much more detail on the investigation and further information on the allegations and culture at the company. Now, it's not surprising. I think that toxic culture is, well, deeply seated in many parts of the tabletop industry. And it seems it's pretty serious here. Yeah, definitely. And it's clearly that there's more allegations now coming to light. We didn't cover the whole article here because it's very long. There's lots of things in there. So definitely read that. But yeah, other than the sexual uh, assault allegations that have been made previously, there's more information and it sounds like, yeah, more employees are speaking out, even if they obviously keep stay anonymous uh, for their own safety. So hopefully this will bring more to light and we'll, we'll hear more, I guess, eventually as well. And as I've said many times before, as a industry, the tabletop gaming industry keeps saying, we are, you know, we love everybody. We're really inclusive and need to consistently put your money where your mouth is, people. Yeah, We can't keep saying it on one hand, and then this is just going on day to day. Okay, it's one or the other. Absolutely. Got to do something about it. Yeah, stop it where you see it. Exactly. Call it out. Moving on, Oliver. Yes, the Nebula Awards has announced this year's nominees. The awards were founded in 1965 by the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association, began as a way to recognise excellent science fiction and fantasy novels, novellas and short stories. Since then, several award categories have been added. This year sees Journeys to the Radiant Citadel, a collection of adventures designed for the tabletop role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons 5e, being nominated for the Best Games Writing Award, alongside several notable video games released last year, including the fantasy role-playing video game Elden Ring, and the action RPG video game Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden West. Other nominees for the award are the puzzle game Stray, Pentiment, a video game inspired by medieval artwork and history, 
and a video game adaptation of the horror RPG series Vampire the Masquerade called Sins of the Sires. Previous winners of the Best Games Writing Award include Thirsty Sword Lesbians in 2021, a queer tabletop role-playing game about sword fighting and passion. The winner of the Nebula Best Games Writing Award will be announced via virtual ceremony taking place on May the 14th. But it's great to see that these, well, what are probably known amongst people who read science fiction and fantasy books, you know, these Nebula Awards, I think, quite famous, uh, certainly along those uh, areas. That they, they absolutely now, are. Yeah, and they're now making sort of their, well, obviously have been for a few years now, but that's the first time I've heard that they're actually recognizing games and and board games or well, yes. RPGs in this case, obviously, and yeah. as well as video games. So that's, yeah, nice that they're, they're being recognized. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, listeners, I haven't been doing my homework here. I think we may have touched on it either last year or two years ago, because I seem to remember Thirsty Sword Lesbians and the Nebula Awards coming up previously. I think the Best Games Writing Award, yeah, it's, it's really good to see the awards evolving and going, yep, these are just as valid and they have been some fantastic, some fantastic stories. Uh, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, if anyone uh, is unsure, is a collection of adventures. Uh, and each adventure was created by an author of colour, oh, okay. which is, you know, quite serious. Not quite serious, but it's a very notable achievement. Yeah. It's a pretty strong set of nominees. Um, I've not played Stray. I've only seen it, people playing it, where you play as a cat going through a mostly abandoned city. Uh, it's very cute. Pentiment, I have, and I've played about an hour or so of it. Very interesting. You're in the Holy Roman Empire around the time of the Reformation. The art style is very nice. It does look like this, as you said, inspired by medieval artwork. So it's all that kind of fresco look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. very nice. I've not played Sins of the Sires, but I have played Vampire the Masquerade a long time ago. Cool. I, I know only Stray by name and the others, well, again, by name, but not really much about them. So... But yeah, it's great to see. Now, what else is great to see in the world of board members, Jamie? Now, Gamma, the non-profit US Hobby Games Trade Association, has announced the results of their election for members of the board of directors. The election covered all categories except retailers, who voted in a separate election on the 28th of March. The new and returning members of the board of directors are Eric Price of Medgia Games Factory, over production, Grace Collins from Snowbright Studio, creator, Monica Rasso of Tabletop Enterprises LLC and Meeples at Sea over media and events, Lee Allentuck, The Last Game Board, a publisher, and Bo Heath from Arcane Tin Men, a wholesaler. Their positions start on the 1st of April 2023 and run until the 31st of March 2025. Uh, still to be announced is the candidate for the retailers category, Though the nominees are Rhonda Becker, the incumbent of the Gamer's Den of Cambridge, Minnesota. Mark Franzen of Geek World Games of Tyler, Texas. Francis Hull of Hometown Comics and Games, Inc. of Greenfield, Indiana. Don Marinaro of Paddy's Game Shop of St. Cloud, Minnesota. And Jay Mason Grant, another incumbent of Black Knight Games of Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. Congratulations to the board of directors, and we're sure we'll hear very soon about the candidate for the retailers category. So, Oliver, I believe you wanted to say something about the Gamma board of directors. Yeah, it's. I think we've we talked about Gamma before. There's lots of noise about things changing at the top and things getting better, but all we're seeing is that boards are being changed, new people are being voted in, and 
I don't know whether we're actually seeing an actual change in the organization as such. Um, I don't know when we last covered Gamma, but it's, it's yeah, yet another election. And, you know, obviously, congratulations to everyone who was uh, voted in. And hopefully, yeah, we'll see what happens with the retailers category. But we also want to hear news about how they're changing the actual, you know, behavior and, and uh, representation with, within the board and all that. So, yeah, just hoping to hear some more on that front as well. And now on to the rest of the news. Cartamundi, a Belgium-based company that manufactures, produces and sells board and card games, has announced that it will close its Waterford City operation, threatening the loss of over 230 jobs. The closure will be phased over a number of months until August of this year, and consultations with employees have already started. The factory opened in 1977 and at its peak employed up to 400 people during busy times of the year. Cartamundi points to the post-COVID decline in demand for board games that put the company under increased economic pressure. The factory itself is said to have made losses for many months, making it unsustainable for the business. The Brainwaves team hopes that all employees find new roles and land on their feet. Um, But obviously the question now is... We understand the economic pressure and we understand the decline mm. uh, in demand for board games after COVID, obviously, there was a huge increase. Um, but I do think there's probably still demand somewhere. And are we seeing things moving more to China or is there literally so little demand that, you know, it's not going to be replaced somewhere else? It just feels like, you know, closing this factory means that eventually that capacity is needed again and it'll, you know, happen somewhere else. So... I think there is I think I think there is demand. I just think the price of production is quite problematic and that, you know, as you said, you know, post-covid decline in demand for board games. There is there, I think there has been a notable drop off, but I don't think I think a lot of it is looking for how do we get a lot of units out published or not published produced in China. Hmm. It sounds like the factory's been making losses. And I guess this was probably on the cards, maybe even before. As you said, yeah. You know, it's just it's been something that now there's a official reason that they can point at because manufacturing outside of China is probably, well, there'll be other places, but certainly out of China, China is going to be more expensive. So, Yes. Yeah, but yeah, we hope that all the employees find other jobs somewhere else. Now, speaking about selling cards, what <laughs> story have you got, Jamie? Did we talk about selling cards? Well, manufacturing cards. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, yes, okay, right, yeah. The rarest Yu-Gi-Oh card in the world will finally be sold this April. Only one copy was ever printed, and it's been in the hands of its sole owner since 2005. But not anymore. After 18 years, he's ready to part ways with it. As reported on Kotaku, Tyler the Great Warrior was a card created as part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation in the United States for Tyler Gressel, who'd been battling a rare liver cancer that only had 200 cases in the entire country. He said, I wanted a Porsche, but I wasn't old enough. Instead, Gressel flew to New York City to meet Kazuki Takahashi, Yu-Gi-Oh! series creator, who created two sketches based on Gressel's favourite character, Future Trunks from Dragon Ball Z, and he was able to choose his favourite. He watched the card printer stamp the card, which was immediately put into a glass case and never removed until it was recently taken out to be graded. It almost got a near mint score because of some creases that occurred while it was sitting in its glass storage case. 
But it's signed by Takahashi, who sadly passed away last year while trying to save people from drowning. Gressel told the Yu-Gi-Oh! content creator Alex Simo, As far as I know, nobody has touched it with their bare hands. I want to part with the card now after so much time because I think the anticipation has really been killing some really avid collectors. I'm not getting any younger. I want to start a family. I want to own and operate my own business and also help my community as well as travel and see my brother in Switzerland. Those who are auctioning the card off are in something of a quandary here. One representative said, We are in an uncharted territory here, as there's never been a one-off Yu-Gi-Oh card publicly sold. And as such, no starting bid has been yet decided on. The card will be auctioned on the 19th of April, so fans of Yu-Gi-Oh, watch that cyberspace. I think this is a, a really a really nice story, and I really like Gressel uh, talking about it going, you know, I'm not getting younger, I want to start a family. And he wants, you know, a business and help the community. And it's time for someone else to enjoy the card, I guess, you know, as well. It's one of those things. You hang on to things for a while and you enjoy it and now someone else can have a chance. Yeah, I think that's I think that's important for, for in so many parts of the world to go, you know, you can you don't have to hold on to something for the rest of your life. Yeah. You can enjoy your time with it and then let it go. When we find out how much it will have sold for, we will let you know, listeners, because I think this might make something of a mint. I think so, yeah. Exciting. And now on to uh, our jobs, opportunities and events listing. We haven't got any jobs or other opportunities, but I found an event, or rather a friend of mine who's going to Salute 50, the 50th annual independent wargaming event on Saturday, the 22nd of April at Excel London. The event says that there will be thousands of guests, hundreds of games, traders and clubs turn up from all over the world. So this is Oofed. a great place to go if you're a tabletop wargamer or hobby painter and want to just see more things happening and that's a single day event so it's all going to be all compressed in one day so sounds exciting and yeah my friend is really looking forward to going yeah one day for all that independent wargaming that's going to get through what Ooh, two turns of ninth edition warhammer 40k <laughs> just the setup I <laughs> yeah i know i realize that's an incredibly niche joke but uh we're doing news about tabletop gaming we're already niche of a niche Of course, we'd like to thank our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much. We couldn't do this without you. Uh, a special thanks to James Naylor of Naylor Games and Sean Newman of Gamealot. Thank you so much, you two, for pledging that little bit extra so you get mentioned on the podcast every episode. Uh, we literally couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to sling a couple of quid our way or or euros or dollars or whatever your local currency is, uh, our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash the giant brain. Um, you also, we also have, you know, metallic dice games, those wonderful folks at metallic dice games, metallic dice, they're dice, which are metal. You couldn't ask for better. Uh, if you want, go to metallicdicegames.com, use the promo code rollwithbrains, and you get a little bit of a discount. Sweet, sweet money off those sweet, sweet dice, clicky, clacky, shiny rocks. And of course, we have some lovely merchandise from Sir Meeple, sirmeeple.com forward slash collections forward slash the giant brain. Some excellent t-shirts. I am wearing one right now. And, you know, you want to rep your favorite news-based podcast? Us. Yay. Yes, yes, there you go. Yay. And you do need the dice if you're going up to Salute 50 as well. So, I mean, that is true. That is true. 
we have a little extra special thing at the end, um, which Jamie is going to talk to, yes. uh, talk, not talk to, which Jamie is <laughs> going to talk about. I can talk to it, but it probably won't uh, react very well. Uh, yes, traditionally, this obviously, it was the Monopoly Corner, but now, as you know, I've branched out in just little interesting things. Now, this is the Royal Mail, that bastion of British forgetting where you live. They have announced on its website, on the release of the 8th of June, 2023, of commemorative stamps for the popular miniature war game, Warhammer, which celebrates its 40th anniversary this year. Now, unfortunately, there's no further information on the artwork or the number of stamps that will be made available, but they're likely to range from first-day covers to framed sets, as well as presentation booklets filled with info and artwork. Now, hopefully, we might be able to find out a little bit more because Richard Simpson of We're Not Wizards, friends of the show, is responsible for listing all of the stamp collections on eBay for the Royal Mail. So he'll definitely be getting a set, and we might... We might try and prod him for a little bit of insider information as to what or who will be included on those stamps. So if you're a Warhammer fan and you like sending letters, quid's in. 8th of June is the day to look out for. And 8th of June. Pro- pro- yep, probably find out beforehand what the images are, but keep an eye out. Get your hands on a first edition, definitely. Yeah, you, you know what Warhammer fans, before they release the second edition stamps and the first edition stamps will be useless. And Exactly. <laughs> And then it'll be third edition stamps. And again, this is a niche Warhammer joke, but never mind. <laughs> thank you very much before I waffle on. And yeah, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. Now you can also follow us in a myriad of places. Oliver has tabletopgamesblog.com with their absolutely fantastic reviews every week and some wonderful thought pieces and opinion pieces on the state of the gaming industry. Thank you. We have we have our Discord, which is we've got regular stuff going on, regular chat, regular news stuff. If you'd like to contribute to the news at all, please come along. We like to hear people's voices. We like to, you know, spread try and get as much information as we can before we bring this to the audio table, as it were. Uh, our Twitter is twitter.com slash the giant brain. Ian is the one who usually well, that is Ian's yeah, Twitter, it's so it's him you'll be interacting with most. Uh, our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash giantbrainuk. Our Facebook, which we don't really use, but it's still there, is facebook.com slash thegiantbrain. Our website, which has most of Ian's reviews and thought pieces and more work, back episodes yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, great work. Back episodes of the podcast and such like is giantbrain.co.uk. And if you have any thoughts, any queries, any opinions, please either hit us up on any of those or you could send us an email at giantbrainuk at gmail.com thank you very much for listening everyone and we'll see you again soon yes thank you and goodbye bye bye